بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في سورة ياسين فلولا كانت قرية آمنت فنفعها إيمانها إلا قوم يونس لما آمنوا كشفنا عنهم عذاب الخزي في الحياة الدنيا ومتعناهم إلى حين وقال تعالى في سورة الأنبياء وذنون إذ ذهب مغاضبا فظن أن لن نقدر عليه فنادى في الظلمات أن لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين فاستجبنا له ونجيناه من الغم وكذلك نوج المؤمنين وقال تعالى في سورة الصافات وإن يونس لمن المرسلين إذ أبق إلى الفلك المشحون فساهم فكان من المدحضين فالتقمه الحوت وهو مليم فلولا أنه كان من المسبحين للبث في بطنه إلى يوم يبعثون فنبذناه بالعراء وهو سقيم وأنبتنا عليه شجرة من يقطين وأرسلناه إلى مئة ألف أو يزيدون فآمنوا فمتعناهم إلى حين وقال تعالى في سورة نون فاصبر لحكم ربك ولا تكن كصاحب الحوت إذ نادى وهو مقذوم لولا أن تداركه نعمة من ربه لنبذ بالعراء وهو مذموم فاجتباه ربه فجعله من الصالحين So this is the story of Yunus alayhi salam. It's scattered around in different places. Some places have more detail than in other places. The point of the story is actually the lessons that are there for us rather than the juicy details. I mean, it is a unique story. Who else gets into the stomach of a whale? or a large fish, and then comes back out to tell the story. That's amazing. So it tells us a number of things, and while we're, while we're going through this story, I'd like you to reflect, right, as, as I am reflecting. And uh, I'd like to hear from you what you got out of the story, if we have that time, inshallah. Aside from what I'll be telling you, I'd like to learn from what you guys are getting from the story as well. Can everybody hear me at the back? Yeah. So firstly, what happens is that Yunus salam, he's somewhere in Nineveh, which is basically, I think, uh, in the, near the Mosul area, northern Iraq. So that's where he's from. Uh, that's supposedly where some of the oldest communities are from. Ibrahim salam, is supposed to also be from around there. There's actually a competition between a place in Iraq, Ur, and a place in Turkey called Urfa, or Shanli Urfa, that also claims that Ibrahim salam, was from there. So either way, whatever the case is, um, that's where he starts off. He's sent to a community there. His name is Yunus, son of Matta. Yunus, son of Matta, that's his name. And he is sent to a community in that particular area. Now, you know, the prophets before the Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam were sent to groups in different areas. And that was their focus generally. It's the uniqueness of the Prophet sallallahu that he has been sent to pretty much everybody and everything as a prophet. That's the unique feature of our Prophet So when Yunus salam is sent there, he invites them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? They don't believe in Allah, they don't believe in Allah, so he invites them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so he's doing da'wah, right? he's inviting. However, they, they don't listen, they act tyrannically against him, and they remain stubborn on their kufr. Right? So when this lasts for a while, he gives up, and he makes a dua. Every prophet is given a du'a, right? Every pr- uh, prophet is given du'as for his, for his ummah, for his people, for his, uh, for his nation. <coughs> and 
he decided that he's going to go and the punishment of Allah, because generally the tradition is that if people do not listen to their prophet, a punishment is basically coming in its wake. He thought a punishment is going to come, so he disappears. He's like, I'm out of here. So he disappeared. So he goes and uh, he reckons that it's going to come in three days, the punishment. So the, what happens in this case, the unique, another unique idea here, is that generally, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِّن نَذِيرٍ إِلَّا قَالَ مُتْرَفُوهَا إِنَّا بِمَا أُرْسِلْتُمْ بِهِ كَافِرُونَ Generally speaking, they would deny, they would reject when a prophet would go and call someone. If they didn't listen, then they would just deny and that's it. Then they would be punished. But in this case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَوْلَا كَانَتْ قَرْيَةٌ آمَنَتْ فَنَفَعَهَا إِيمَانُهَا إِلَّا قَوْمَ يُونُسِ That there's hardly been any nation who first denied, right? Uh, the, the, the gist of the verse is that nearly all nations are such that when they've in, been invited, they've rejected then they've been punished. They, they've not been saved afterwards. The only people that have actually been saved, uniquely speaking, as a nation, is the nation of Yunus salam. After he disappeared, thinking the punishment is upon them, what happens is that they suddenly put, they suddenly realize their mistake. Right? And that's a big issue. That, that's like a really big realization. They realize their mistakes, that we've done very wrong. Maybe they saw, Wallahu alam, what they saw. And how it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will that this be happen and this, uh, this go down into history as this unique uh, incident. So what they did was they put on very humble clothing. Now this gives us, this gives us some lessons here that when you want to call on to Allah, when you're desperate, there's a certain attitude that you have to create. When you see beggars, right, they don't come to you with Rolex watches on, all right, and like, you know, except the really smart ones, right. Um, the very, you know, up-class ones that do the up-class deals, you know what I'm saying? But the, the normal beggars on the street, they will not come to you like that. They come in a way that makes you feel sorry for them because it's all about emotion, right? It's really a lot about emotion. These people know no better. They're calling on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They changed their clothing. What they, I mean, th this is an idea. What they did was they took all the animals. I mean, that's a, uh, the, 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 the community they had is full of, you know, they, they're dealing with animals and so on. So they separated all the animals, the, pair, uh, the, the, the children, the offspring of the animals, the young from the old. So they separated all of them, the babies, the calves, the kids from, from the older animals. And pretty much all of them began to humbly entreat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They basically just submitted to Allah. They started asking Him for forgiveness. And they're crying, they're, they're, they're weeping, uh, their eyes are you know, in, in, in tears. Both their men, their women, the children... Uh, and the animals are screaming because the animals don't have, you know, the, the, the young children, they're screaming for their parents and, the, and, and, and uh, the father cow or whoever it is or the mother cow is looking for their children. So this is this whole thing shown, uh, showing a sign of vulnerability, desperation, absolute need and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala averts the punishment from them. So that's the uniqueness of this particular community that after the person that uh, invites them, and he disappears, leaving them to be destroyed, pretty much leaving them to be punished, that they actually realize afterwards. So that's why, فَنَفَعَهَا إِيمَانُهَا Generally, after, once the punishment is coming, iman is not of benefit. But they just got it in time. Their iman, their faith, actually was to their benefit, as Allah says in the Quran. 
So that's why he says, Illa qawmi Yunus, except the people of Yunus, Jonah as the, uh, as the biblical name is. Lamma amanu, that when they actually did become believers, kashafna anhum adab al khiz. We actually remove from them, right? We relieve them of the disgraceful punishment, of the pay, very painful punishment. Fil hayatid dunya, in this world. And then we gave them respite, we gave them uh, indulgence basically for a certain amount of time, however long that's going to be. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse that they were mi'atu alfin aw yazidun. So these are, this is a group of at least 120,000 people. Mi'atu alf. That's uh, 100,000. Mi'atu alfin, 100,000 aw yazidun or more than that. Now, when you look at the Mufassirin, the commentators of the Quran, they've got various different views, starting from Abdullah ibn Abbas, the greatest commentator, right? That uh, some say it was actually 120,000, and it goes up to 130,000, 130 something, 140. They've got different narrations, and it doesn't make a difference to us, to be honest. I mean, the story is the story, right? So I'm not going to get into that too much. So now he gets to the edge of the land, the landmass, wherever that was. And that's not really clear as to where that was. So when he gets there, he, there's, a, there's a boat. There's a ship, a boat, some kind of sea vessel that he gets onto. Like he wants to get away from this area. So he gets onto that and suddenly the winds start blowing. There's a storm that's brewing. And they know that they've got too many, they realize that they've got too many people in this boat to survive under these conditions. So one person has to leave, right? So there's lots of people on there, and the way to decide is the, the fairest way in those day, in in that time that they decided to do, which the Prophet ﷺ has also used actually, is to pick lots. So everybody's name is or marked on a certain thing, and then somebody picks the lot, and out comes Yunus salam, his name. So they look at him, and he looks really dignified, really. You know, you can tell who he, that he's a very special person. So they feel really bad that it must be him. They thought if it's going to be some random guy who's not very, you know, who's kind of can be wasted. Wallahu alam. Right? I get the gist of that. So they're like, no, you can't go. So then they pick lots again. And again, it's the second time his name comes out. So he's a prophet. Like he's like, I've got tawakkul on Allah. My reliance is on Allah. So he takes off his garments or whatever to jump into the water. But no, no, no. They, they say, no, no, let's do it again. Right? So they do it again. Right? And out comes his name again. So when that happens again, he has to go. So he gets thrown in and it's all, it's all been planned and everything is actually set up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has basically told this particular whale, this particular huge fish, whatever that fish was, that it's going to be your task. And that whale has been actually modified. The modification is that generally whales or any mammal basically once something goes down there's this whole system that we don't even control like you can't put something in our system and say okay this thing i'm not going to consume it the bile is not gonna right and you guys are some of you are doctors or whatever so you probably know this better than i do but basically none of that but in this particular case don't do this at home type of thing right uh he's the, this whale is told that you are you're going to give safe passage so yunus alayhi salam gets swallowed by this particular fish, this mammal, and he's gonna, he's gonna think he's dead. Like, I'm swallowed, you think you're finished. Suddenly the bile is gonna start coming, you're gonna start getting uh, all the chemicals on you and so on and so forth. But he moves around and he's like alive. فتحركت. 
He moves around فَإِذَا هُوَ As Ibn Kathir says, he suddenly finds himself alive. Now this is the interesting point. You find yourself alive. So you've been basically in some really great danger. But then you find out, hey, I, you know, nothing happened to me. So he basically falls in prostration. Now this is the unique feature of a, a friend of Allah. They always remember Allah. Right? Everything is about Allah in their lives. That's what makes them special. They're humans like you and I, but the only difference is that they always, they relate everything to Allah. Anything small happens, that's untowards, they remember Allah. Anything good happens, they remember Allah, they thank Him. Right? So he falls in prostration, he says, Ya Rabbi, this is what he says, according to Ibn Kathir, he says, اِتَّخَسْتُ لَكَ مَسْجِدًا لَمْ يَعْبُدْكَ أَحَدٌ فِي مِثْلِهِ I've just made a place for prostration for you, a place for prayer for you that nobody else has prayed in the like of before. Like this is a unique mosque, right, in the, in the stomach of a whale. Now, how long did he stay there? That's anybody's guess because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention that. It's already a miracle that he's already inside. I mean, you know, and then comes out alive, regardless of how long they stayed. But according to one opinion, it was morning he was in, and nighttime, it was just uh, not even one, not even 24 hours. It was morning to evening. His stay was very short. Another opinion is that it was actually three days. So he had a three-day uh, booking in there, right? And another one says seven days. Allah knows best, whatever it was. And actually, there's even another opinion of 40 days, right? So he was in there for 40 days. Allah knows best. Now, what happens is that this particular whale starts going around on its journeys through the, through the oceans. And Yunus salam is now given access to the underworld, meaning the sea world. So he starts hearing tasbih, glorification of Allah, coming from various different places. Allah somehow, I don't know how that works in that underwater there, but this, uh, he gets that in his ear. So when he starts hearing the glorification of the other, uh, other sea creatures, um, he suddenly, he starts to then make tasbih himself. Right? He starts to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even more. Realizing that's the only way. That's why, أنت <clears throat> Subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. So the tasbih, tasbih means, uh, tasbih means to glorify God, to purify God. Right? It's very different from tahmid, uh, which is to praise Allah. You're, all, you're actually also praising Him, but what you're really doing in a tasbih, when you say subhanallah, is you're saying God is free of all blemishes. God is free of all defects. Right, God has no defects and no problems. Then you say, all praise is for Him. So the praise comes after the purification process. So Subhanallah generally comes before Alhamdulillah. So He said Subhanak. Now, what He uttered then, right? What He uttered then was actually something that went down in history and is considered to be one of the most powerful du'as you can make in a desperate situation. In fact, according to some scholars, it is the Ismullah al-A'zam. Right now, if you've heard of the Ismullah al-A'zam, there's one name of Allah, like a formula, with the name of Allah in it, which the Prophet said in a hadith that if you call Allah by that name, you will be responded to. He will respond to you. 
it's that magic name basically you can say it. I mean, if you can use the term magic, it's that, it's that name that where you use it, Allah will do whatever it is that you're saying. So there's various views of what that is because if everybody knew it was so simple as to what it is, then everybody would use it. And so it's some people know what it is and they use it very particularly. They don't use it arbitrarily and randomly. i just give you a, a quick story. There's a guy who knew it, an old person, an old sheikh. And there's somebody else who found out he knew it, so he wanted to learn it from him. So he went to him and he says, I would like to learn this. So he said, um, he insists, I can't teach it to you and so on. He says, no, I insist. So when he insists, he said, okay, fine. And when you go to the woods tomorrow, there's some, there was a forest close by, a woods somewhere. And I want you to just sit in a, he told him a particular place, go and sit by that tree. And I want you to just watch what happens. So he says, okay, fine. And then come back and report to me. So he goes the next day, stands there, or sits there rather, and he's watching. And suddenly he sees this old man, right? An old man who is going around collecting firewood. He spends an hour or so collecting firewood, gets it all together, binds it together. And he's about to go home with it when suddenly this young guy comes along and beats him up, pushes him down, takes his wood and, and goes away. Now this guy is very angry, like if you see that, you're going to be very angry, somebody who's been painstakingly collecting wood for, a, for an hour or so, or however long it was, and then suddenly somebody takes it away from him. So he comes back the next day and he reports that this is what I saw. So that sheikh asked him, how did you feel? He said, well, if I had known the name yesterday, that's when I needed it, I would have prayed against this guy. He says, no, you're not ready for this name yet. He says, the person, the old man you saw, that's my sheikh, that's my teacher. He's the one who I got it from. If he didn't use it for himself so selfishly like that, you're not prepared for it. You're not the right person for it. But that name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever that name is, one opinion is that this is the dua. What it is that he read? He said, Allahumma, la ilaha illa ant. Well, Allah just says, la ilaha illa ant in the Quran. It's actually a very compound, very comprehensive formula. It says, la ilaha illa Allah. There's no God except Allah. So that's Tawheed, that's declaring the oneness of Allah. Allah loves it when you reaffirm that He is one. Because that is the reality. And that's what we've been told to do. So la ilaha illa ant. Subhanak. You are without blemish. You are glorified. You are purified. And then, inni kuntu min al-zalimin. To recognize and confess. To recognize our sin. Acknowledge our problem, our shortcoming. Right? That is what this dua comprises of. So Yunus realized that he shouldn't have run right from that place. That was a lesson for him. Inni kuntu min al-zalimin. What a lesson to be, eat, to be swallowed by a fish, right? By a mammal, any mammal for that matter, especially in the waters. But then to be let go after so, so, to, so that he can tell the story and we can learn something from it, right? It would have ended like if it, if it, if it just gone through a whale and ended, it would have been ended. But now this is an amazing story. Lots of people have been taken in by fish and mauled by animals and consumed and so on. Right? But that's quite customary. That's quite normal. So, La ilaha illa an subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. I was from the oppressors. I did wrong. I did not act in the correct way. Fastajabnala. So we responded to him. We accepted his, his confession. And we relieved him from this anguish, from this pain, from this difficulty. 
And this is the message for us now. This is the way we give delivery to the believers. This is the way we give safety to believers. This is the way we give escape to believers. This is to show that this particular incident was not just for Yunus alayhi salam. Right? I mean, if you do find yourself in the belly of a fish, then you can also pray that. God knows what's going to happen. Right? But basically, that's extreme. Right? That's an extreme situation. If we find ourselves in any turbulent situation, let's say somebody, uh, I remember there was a person I know, he went to visit a friend's house and he got into the toilet and locked the door, but the lock was faulty so it wouldn't open anymore. He's locked in a toilet. Now, obviously, you're going to get him out eventually. It's going to take an hour or so and he's in a hurry, he has to go back, he's in another city. Right? Alhamdulillah, you know, he prayed something and then they got, they got out. Right? But I'm saying even something as simple as that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in another place, فَلَوْلَا أَنَّهُ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُسَبِّحِينَ لَلَبِثَ فِي بَطْنِهِ إِلَى يَوْمِ يُبْعَثُونَ Had he not been of those who make the tasbih, who glorify God, then he would have stayed in the stomach of that fish until the day of resurrection. So now, whether that means, does that mean had he not done tasbih in the fish? When he's in that situation? Or had he not been of those who used to always make tasbih? What's, what is it? Well, actually he did both, so we should do both. So a person who's constantly remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the, the logic there is that if you're constantly remembering Allah, even when you're not in a difficult state, the angels recognize your voice. They get to recognize that, okay, Aisha, she constantly makes dua. Right, Muhammad, he's always, you know, making dua to us, he's making tasbih. Now he's in a difficult situation. So exactly now, so let's, I'm going to mention to you a hadith that's related by Ibn Jarir, al-Tabari, in his tafsir, and Imam Bazzar has related this as well. He says that uh, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reported this, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to uh, get Yunus alayhi salam, um, into, uh, into this well He wanted this incident to take place In this particular way He inspired this particular fish That you're going to take him You're going to swallow him But you cannot Basically have any access to any part of his body So you will not injure Any part of his bones Or flesh or anything like that So the fish Comes uber right, And, and, and takes, him, takes him on and now he's going, it's going to wherever it goes and hangs out in the ocean. So now Yunus alayhi salam hears some sound, right? Yunus alayhi salam hears some sound in, in the ocean. So he says to himself, Mahada, what is this? What is this sound I'm hearing? This is, what, this is according to this hadith, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires him while he's in this stomach that this is actually the tasbih of the sea creatures that you're hearing. All of this sound, right? <laughs> Whatever that is. So then he starts to make tasbih. And that was his tasbih that I related to. Subhanaka inni kuntu min al-thalimeen. Now the angels, they hear his tasbih. They're used to hearing his voice. According to this hadith, the angels hear his voice. Right? Now this defies all aspects of physics and so on, right? So if you're going to try to think of it from that way, he's down in the depths of the ocean. There's layers of water. Angels are up probably in the heavens. Where are they going to hear him from? Allah knows best. They have their means, right? Wireless connections or whatever, 
whatever the situation is. So they hear his voice and they said, Ya Rabbana. So they talk to Allah. They said, Oh Allah, we're listening to a very, very, very faint voice that we can hear. It's like a whimper. Right? It's coming from somewhere in the middle, you know, um, in, a, in a very unusual place. We never hear the speed coming from there of a, such a voice because it's unusual for a human to go down there and make the speed. Right? So Allah says, yes, yes, I know that. I'm, I'm, I've got, you know, that, uh, I'm taking care of that. That's my servant Yunus who uh, went against what I, the way I wanted him to do things. So I've just put him into this, ocean, uh, into this fish in the ocean. So then they say, and this is the angels speaking about people that do good, saying, Al-Abdu Salih, he was a righteous person. He is a righteous person, right? And every day and every evening, he used to send you good deeds beforehand. So Allah says, yes. So they are interceding. They are interceding for him, right? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So finally, eventually, the whale then... Um, <coughs> Uh, the, the whale then basically pushes him out on the coast. Now, Allah knows best, but the place that they claim that this took place, uh, that this happened, is close to Hebron or Al-Khalil in Palestine. Right? So when you go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, Baytul Laham, and then you go to Al-Khalil, in the midst there somewhere, there's a place called Maqam Yunus. Right? There's a particular name, but the place is a masjid there as well. So I visited, we visited a few years ago, so the imam told us the whole story, and there's a place there. He says, this is, not, this is the place where when he came back, sorry, when he came out, he was, the fish had taken his soul, being in the fish with everything had taken his soul. He hadn't died, but he was emaciated. He was almost like a bird when it comes out and it's lost all of its feathers, right? It's got completely um, in, that, in that state. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُوَ سَقِيم When the fish took him out, he was saqim, he was sick, he was ill, he was in need, he was in a vulnerable situation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, it, it mentions, أَنْبَتْنَا عَلَيْهِ شَجَرَةً مِّنْ يَقْطِينَ Wherever he landed, there was nobody else there, there was a certain animal, right? It, it looks, I, I checked it up, it looks like, like a ram or something, which would come and give him milk morning and evening. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Allah says in the Qur'an, had a pumpkin tree or gourd or a pumpkin type of tree uh, grow in that area. And the benefit of it is that it gives nice shade. It's uh, energetic, the nutrients he would get from that. So slowly, slowly he recuperated. And then he went back to his people. So that's pretty much, that's, uh, pretty much the story uh, of... Uh, that, that, that is the story that we know That he went back to his people And they had believed And mashallah He was obviously happy and so on uh, About whatever had happened So a few things now um, Firstly what we've learned from here Is that when you're in a desperate situation You should not wait to just worship Allah then Or glorify Allah then You should always have an amount of Tasbih that you're doing every day and then when you do get into a desperate situation, the first one that you should remember is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This story is wonderful for somebody when they're in a difficult situation already, especially if they can remember this story. Because what humans psychologically need when they're in a desperate situation, even though everything seems to be against them, is that number one, they make an effort, and number two, they keep 
their hope in Allah. I give you another example. When Yusuf alayhi salam, have you read his have you, have you read his story? When he was in the room, uh, when when the the wife of the Aziz uh, was it Potiphar? His name is right. When she basically locked him and cornered him in a room to seduce him, right? She, there's several locks that she put on so he couldn't get out, and basically she's trying to seduce him. Now he knows that. So imagine if that if something like that happened here. Should you then just stand and say, okay, I'm giving up, right? What he did was he actually ran to the door knowing it's locked. Like, let me try what I can. Maybe it'll open up. And actually all the locks fell and it did open up, right? Which is miraculous. But God wants us to try. The, the, the message we're getting from there is that when you find yourself in a situation, you don't just give up. You try with all hopes in Allah because Allah has everything under their, under their command. So you try your best. And Allah will make things happen. And I'm sure many of us will have examples of this in their life when things have happened that kind of defy the whole you know, laws of science or whatever it is. But that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need yaqeen for that to be able to happen. So that's the first thing we're understanding, that always try something. Number two, uh, you call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You make the best of the situation. You call out to Allah and you say, you forgive me and you confess your sins. That's very important. You have to remember that whenever something, a calamity or a loss, we suffer a loss, right? People suffer losses. How do you interpret that loss? Is it a punishment? Is it a purification for us? What other reasons could there be why we're suffering a loss? Why, like we got less grades? I mean, if you, if you worked really hard, you still got less grades. Like it was just a bad day for you. If you didn't work hard, then you know why you didn't get good grades anyway, right? So then you don't even have to think about that. It's quite clear, right? But let's just say that you suffered a loss of some sort, whether that be a little accident or you lost somebody or whatever. What are you, how are you supposed to react? So the scholars say that it actually depends on your reaction. The nature of that actually depends on your reaction. It's kind of really interesting. It's like a circular reasoning almost. If you react angrily and you get worried and you, get, you don't know what you're doing anymore and you start crying out and you start getting depressed and everything, then that is your punishment for you. That loss that you've suffered is actually a punishment from Allah. He wants to punish you for something wrong you've done. And you're still not realizing, so it's a punishment. If you realize that, okay, this wrong, it must be because, you know, the other day I did this wrong. Always you have to scan back. Have I done something that I shouldn't be doing? Right? If I'm already doing so many wrongs, is there something extra that I've done? Right? Uh, because sometimes it could be that. Like you're always doing something small, small wrong, but then suddenly you do something even bigger wrong. Think about that. Either way, and you make tawbah. So if your response is to actually repent, then that means this was actually for purification. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows you've done wrong, but He wants to purify, He wants to change you. So you actually repent. Number three, this one, uh, is there any other reaction you could have? The first reaction was that you start getting depressed and messed up and like lashing out and so on. Number two is, we're actually like, yeah man, I know what I did wrong. I, I shouldn't have done that. Right? Is there any other response you could have or reaction that anybody else can um, relate to? Right. So if you cannot remember a sin, you think back like, you know, the first thing you should do is like, did I do a sin? Did I do something wrong? And you can't think of anything. And you're given a calmness to deal with it. 
that's that's the that that's the the that that's the very important sign here that you just deal with it. Alhamdulillah, whatever Allah wills, right? If that is the case, then it means it's to raise your status. So it's not just for purification, but it's actually to raise your status. And what you have to understand in a difficulty is that sometimes a person who's already doing good, but Allah wants to elevate him up and give him an upgrade. He doesn't have enough time to do that many good deeds to get the upgrade. So the faster expedited process is by sabr. Patience is one of the most expedited ways to raise your status in the sight of Allah and get a higher place. So you're put in some pain, but you just deal with it. It's like, okay, alhamdulillah. You lost a lot of money, but it's like, I'll deal with it. It's okay, Allah will give it back to me. And another person, it would make him depressed and maybe even commit suicide. So those are three reactions you could have broadly speaking. And that actually tells us the nature of that problem. So I guess if it is the first one, then we need to learn from it and increase our reliance in Allah. Increase our tasbih. So the next time we do suffer a loss, because we will always suffer some calamities in this world. It's just the nature of this world. right? The world is just fulfilling its nature when something wrong happens to us. right? So we need to take it out of our mind that nothing wrong will ever happen. There's always something. It's about dealing with it. That's our responsibility. So we learn from here that something that's happened to him is amazing, right? But he calls out to Allah and Allah actually tells him out uh, in enough to be able to tell that story. Um, another thing that we understand from here, from his story, the negative aspect of the story almost you could say, but of course Allah made him do this so that we can learn from it, is that if you are into trying to help somebody, trying to encourage somebody, trying to give dawah to somebody, I know university students, they always have a dawah aspect to their, to their work. You know, the, the ISOCs always do something about that. Sometimes you get frustrated when people don't listen. I've been calling the brother or the sister so many times. I want them to change, but they don't change. You get frustrated, so then you want to walk away. Like, go to hell, right? Damn you type of idea, right? So we learn from this that you need a lot of patience. This story tells us that you need a lot of patience in dawah. Dawah is one of the toughest jobs you can have. But what, we, the, what should keep us going? This is the only thing that keeps me going. You know, when you're working with different communities, different committees, different groups to try to do something good and then somebody throws in a hammer, right? Or a spanner in the works. Or they're just not doing it effectively. And you think like, forget these guys, right? Let me go and do something else. The thing that keeps you going is that every effort that you're making, even though it's not bearing the fruits that you would like for it to bear, that, okay, mashallah, everybody's changing because of you or... Uh, becoming closer to Allah or whatever You are still getting reward If you're sincere in what you're doing So every Moment you spend calling somebody Encouraging somebody, assisting somebody You are being rewarded And Allah is taking account for that That is a really important That's the only thing that keeps me going when I get frustrated Sometimes, that okay I'm still getting rewarded Still worth it Right, Nuh was 950 years In da'wah and he didn't get anything You know, that what he wanted but he still carried on for 950 years. That's huge. Um, so this story tells us that dawah is a difficult work and we keep, we keep doing that. And uh, good deeds in difficult times are a source of coming. Because remember, what we have to remember is that every night, which is dark, what's it followed by? A day. Every night follows a day. But you know when you're in the night... And it's that long night and you're suffering. You've got a fever or whatever. That night seems very long. But when that morning comes, suddenly you just feel a bit better. 
right? Even though nothing else has happened except that the sun has come out. But you just suddenly feel better. Allah has given that in the day. But from that, what we have to understand is that in any difficulty, always there's a bright end to it. So never lose hope. So these are several things that we can, inshallah, learn from this. One of the biggest lessons is that we learn from this is that Yunus Ali Sam is a wali of Allah. He's a friend of Allah. He's been worshipping Allah all his life. So Allah will protect. And that could be in extreme ways that you'd be surprised. Extreme ways Allah could protect you. Right? And there's lots of stories of that. I know the whale story right, is a very interesting story and in history. But even today you've got so many stories in various different parts of the world of people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves because of their righteousness. It's always right to be on the right side, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's side. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist us, help us, and to benefit from this. Had to, uh, I, I said everything basically, but just had to condense it a bit, right? So we ask Allah for tawfiq.